And I wanna thank you for this opportunity to uh, share uh, something that I've been thinking about for some time now. And this sermon's titled, titled VUCA Transformed. Um, VUCA, and no, it's not a Vulcan greeting from Star Trek. It's actually an acronym that's been around for quite some time. And it's has, is starting to gain more and more traction in our society, especially after the year we went through. Uh, VUCA or V-U-C-A uh, stand or was actually created or coined, I guess, in the 1980s towards the end of the Cold War. And it was used or was intended to describe the world at that time. And it still has relevance in our day. Uh, VUCA, V-U-C-A, st actually stands for, oh, get my slides going here, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And I think we can all understand how these four words or descriptions, a lot of people in our communities would actually use to still describe our world. And for most of our communities, 2020 was a year full of VUCA. It's from start to end. Um, in my immediate family, for example, uh, we had the passing of a family member. Uh, we had health issues and emergency surgeries, uh, loss of jobs, uh, some right out of school and still unable to find a job, family struggles, uh, unable to visit extended family in other provinces. Um, and our family was not unique in 2020. And so it's gotten me wondered, like, how can we respond, we being myself, as well as the church in our society and provide some light into this feeling. But when, but when one looks over the course of history, we can quickly realize that there's many times in history where this term could actually apply. Uh, even from biblical times or throughout the Bible, we see a number of examples you know, whether that's uh, when Israel was in Egypt or their exodus from Egypt, uh, the time of the judges, uh, the split of the nation, uh, the nation going into exile and then returning back from exile. Even in Jesus' day, there would have been a sense of VUCA. And then, of course, the early church. And it's the early church that we're going to focus on today to understand how did they respond, how did they deal with the VUCA at their time to see if we, the church can understand uh, a kind of a response that we can provide or a way to look at this. In the book of Acts in the New Testament, uh, it provides some very valuable insight into the early church. And today our focus is going to be on the scripture in Acts 10. Leading up to this point, we find that the apostles had focused or dedicated their pro proclaiming of the gospel to the Jewish population. At the beginning of Acts 10, Jesus gives Peter a vision. And, and really in that vision, it instructs Peter to and the apostles to expand their outreach, not just to the Jewish, but also to the Gentiles. And then Jesus being Jesus actually arranges, arranges circumstances so that Peter is led to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and then when Peter arrives, he actually finds that a number of Cornelius family and friends have gathered to hear what Peter says. So we're going to listen to Peter's sermon that he gave uh, to the Cornelius and his family and friends in Acts 10, 34 to 44. 
Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him. And after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge who you are and that even though our world is broken and is a state of VUCA, you are still sovereign over our world and you can give us peace through this time. We ask for the Holy Spirit's presence today to guide us as we consider how the early church dealt with the VUCA in their time to see how they responded and how we can also respond in our day. Help us be a guiding light during these dark times. My prayer is for the church to be strengthened and blessed with boldness similar to the early church in reaching out to their communities with the gospel of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we consider VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, these four words have a similar tone underneath of them that brings certain meaning to the acronym, but they individually, each of the words bring a different vision or sense to the overall meaning of the acronym. And looking back over at 2020, we can actually see countless examples of each of these four words coming into play. You know, V or volatility, you know, a sense that the slightest change could bring everything down, a person's health, the economy, the state of the church, you or the uncertainty is how do we move forward? What does the future hold? Will we ever recover from this pandemic? And how can the church respond? C, for complexity. There's so many moving parts and all interlinked together. Lockdown, social distancing, mental health, and vaccinations. And the A, which is ambiguity. You know, there's so many conflicting messages in our society. And everyone seems to have their own spin on what is the best course of action. So let's tackle them one at a time, seeing how the early church used or responded to these and see how we can even move forward in a time of VUCA. A few chapters ahead of the scripture we read earlier, we actually find that the early church was going through a severe persecution and all of the, except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside. We also find that Saul, who at the time was part of the Jewish leadership, 
later converted to Christianity, was ravaging the church by entering house after, after house and dragging off both men and women and committing them to prison. This is in Acts 8. So the world at the time of the early church was in a great state of VUCA. Israel was occupied by the Romans. The early church was under severe persecution, which we just referenced. Later, we find out that the Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, which was in 70 AD, which was around the time of the early church. To add to that stress and chaos, Jesus had commanded the disciples to go into all the nations and make disciples. And it's pushing them beyond their comfort zone. So I think it would be fair to say they were in a state of volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity or VUCA. So how did the early church respond to the volatility within their environment? An environment which could collapse so quickly. You know, the disciples had lost their teacher and rabbi. They were being persecuted. Some were being martyred for their faith. Some in their community were fleeing the persecutions. So how did they respond? Well, when we are in a state of volatility, having a good vision or dream on where we're heading can be such a tremendous help. It provides us with a picture and motivation on what our priorities should be, helping us to start thinking about where we should be heading and how we should respond. And I believe the overall vision of the church was given by Jesus close to the beginning of his ministry when reading in the synagogue Jesus read this the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and this is captured in Luke 4 so Jesus' early teaching was related to declaring the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And this vision included, or for the kingdom, which is part of his message, his gospel message, includes, you know, the captives being released, blinds being, sorry, the blind being able to see, and the oppressed to be freed. And we see this vision coming out of Peter's sermon uh, when he actually says, you know, preaching peace by Jesus Christ and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. All who were oppressed by the devil. This is what the early church focused on. How could they could take the gospel message to the nations, freeing those who were oppressed, even during a state of volatility. And as we work our way out of this pandemic and look to move the mission forward in the volatility around us, it will be important to have a strong vision. And a strong vision is more than just some generic vision statement. The vision must motivate and encourage while providing a clear understanding of where we should be heading. And since Jesus is the head of the church, our vision must be aligned with Jesus' vision, the oppressed set free. Oppression can have many faces and include physical, mental, and spiritual oppression, in which sadly we still see way too many examples of these today. In all of these cases of the oppression, you could declare all are being oppressed by the devil. And Jesus came to set all who are oppressed free. And our vision should have the same objective. A number of years ago, I had an opportunity to fly a small plane. Uh, I had a coworker at the time 
uh, who took myself and two friends on a flight over Toronto. Uh, as we were flying, he actually handed over control to myself. Of course, he kept giving me instructions. One of the key pieces of instruction he gave me is that I had to, should keep the horizon over the nose of the plane. And of course, I had for, was forever trying to balance that as I was flying it. And as I was flying, if I lifted the nose too high, I would lose sight of the horizon and the plane would just start to cry or climb up into the sky. We'd lose sight of where we were actually heading. And of course, if I continued in that tra trajectory, eventually would, the plane would stall and we would have crashed. On the other hand, if I lowered it too much, we, all we would see is the ground and we again, we'd lose sight of the horizon. And of course, kept on that trajectory, it would crash into the ground. The objective was to keep the horizon just over the nose of the plane which allowed us to know that we were heading in the right direction at the right altitude. And this is the importance of a strong vision. It helps for us to know that we're heading in the right direction with the right focus. So this leads me to my next point is how, did, how do we move forward in a world with so much uncertainty? And the early church had so much uncertainty surrounding them. You know, how to handle the pro persecutions and proclaim the gospel at the same time? How to serve a growing church? What about the Gentiles? And these are just to name a few of the questions or challenges they needed to address. So one key aspect of the early church is the unity the church displayed. Coming together as one to proclaim the gospel. And we'll notice the plural references in Peter's sermon. We are witnesses to all, to us who were chosen. And he commanded us to preach to the people. The early church was going through many transformation or changes, moving and expanding beyond Jerusalem into all Israel and into the other nations around the region, including Jews and Gentiles, women and men, freed and slaves. And when the church was faced with uncertainty, they came together and worked as a team to work through the mist and provide a clear path to take. When there was division within the church in Corinth, Paul instructed the, the church there is now, sorry, instructed church that now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no division among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. In the New Testament, we have this sense that there should be unity within the church to help us steer through the uncertainty. Now, I'm not promoting unity for the sake of unity. To me, true unity comes from having a common vision and mission. And for the church, this unity must be based on Jesus and the gospel message. In times of uncertainty or chaos, we find our way forward by coming together and being united on a common goal. When our boys were growing up, they were into sports. And one year, our youngest son was on a hockey team. Uh, let's just say they struggled on the ice. They lost way more games than what they won. So to encourage the players, the coaching staff actually devised the plan to give the team a goal which would push them but also something that they could achieve. So the coaching staff created a system that the players could earn points throughout the season 
And if they earned enough points, they would receive a reward. And the thing is, is that they didn't base these points on the results of the game. They were based on other factors, you know, such as, you know, how hard did the team work? Did they support one another during the games and practices? And they even received points for helping out in the community. And you could see the players coming together as a team. And even though the system wasn't based on game results, this team started winning more and more games. They didn't win the championship, but they did come, they did win a couple playoff series and were one of the most improved teams in the league. They had a common goal to unite around, and that's brought them together. So far, we have considered how the early church grew in spite of the volatility by leaning on Jesus' vision. And they dealt with the uncertainty facing them by having unity in the church. So how did the early church deal with the complexity in their world? A church that was growing at a fast rate, many being added to the church daily. Complexity on how to lead this growing church how to handle the persecutions, and what about the theological questions and concerns? So one aspect to consider is that the early church had clarity on their mission, which was to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and make disciples. And we see this mission seeping through Peter's sermon when Peter states, you know, the message that he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And then Peter also said how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So this clarity on the mission allowed the early church the ability to clear away the complexity and focus on what was important for the church. Mission and, and vision go hand in hand. A vision gives us a direction on where we should be heading. And our mission should define how we are going to achieve our vision. How are we going to get to where our vision is, where we want to be. And similar to vision, for the church, this mission must be based or should be aligned to Jesus' mission for the overall church, which I consider to be the great commission Jesus gave the disciples when they were told to go and make disciples of all nations. When the church makes disciples, we are working towards freeing those who are oppressed, bringing in Jesus' kingdom. And living in the Maritimes, um, most of us have experienced driving in the fog. Usually this is not a problem when we can still see the road in front of us, but becomes an issue when the fog surrounds us and we are unable to see clearly. So in our complex world, having clarity on the church's mission will help us see through the fog and find a clear path. So this leaves me to the last part of the acronym, the A or ambiguity. How did the early church deal with the ambiguity surrounding them? The different views on what it meant to be a Christian and how the Gentiles could join the church to name a few. And as Peter stated in his epistle, you know, false prophets also arose among them, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive opinions. You know, they had fake news back then, just similar to what we had. They had all, you know, just different opinions. So how did the church respond? Well, in my opinion, they took action in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, the apostles could have taken the approach that since there is so many conflicting factions in our world and in their fear, they could have gone into hiding. You know, they could have sat back and thought, ah, oh, Jesus is coming back. So we'll, we'll just leave it to Jesus when he comes back to restore the kingdom of Israel. But they did not. They actually went to work. And we see this throughout the book of Acts, which, by the way, in many Bibles is taught is titled the Acts of the Apostle. It's the actions that the apostles took. But the thing that we should also understand is they didn't take this action by themselves. They took action through the Holy Spirit. And I heard one pastor mention that the book of Acts might be better referred to as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So in Peter's sermon, we actually see Peter acknowledging the fact about the Holy Spirit coming in and giving them the power and even Jesus. So we, you know, Peter stated, you know, Jesus acted, performed the good works with the Holy Spirit. We're also told, or Peter tells us that the apostles were commanded to preach to the people. And at the end of Peter's sermon, we find that the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. So the early church did not wallow in their ambiguity. They went to work and took action through the Holy Spirit to drive forward with the mission given to them by Jesus. You know, when we're faced with ambiguity, we have two options. One is we can retreat to a place of comfort, fortify our space, and hope that we will remain safe. Or two, we can take action and address the ambiguity head on. In the church, we have an advantage over other organizations in the fact that we don't have to act on our own because we're not alone. We have the power of the Holy Spirit and others, members of the body of the church to guide and support us in our actions. You know, Mother Teresa once stated, faith in action is love and love in action is service. By transforming that faith into living acts of love, we put ourselves in contact with God himself, with Jesus our Lord. So let's tackle the ambiguity by stepping forward and taking action in the power of the Holy Spirit. The early church had a vision to provide them direction, motivation, and purpose to sustain them through the volatility. They were unified and came together on a common goal to address the uncertainty in their world. They had clarity on their mission and focused on Jesus to simplify the complexity of their decisions, challenges, challenges they were facing. And lastly, they acted upon their mission through the Holy Spirit to drive through the ambiguity to move the mission forward. The early church provides us valuable insight into how we can transform our stories from being anxious because of the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity surrounding us into a story of freedom based on the gospel message by having a strong vision in unity with clarity on our mission and taking action in the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's close in prayer. Sovereign Lord, your word encourages us to know that you are working everything out for good for those who love you. 
We ask for your forgiveness during times when we lose our focus on the mission and are distracted because of the VUCA or chaos around us. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and guide as we live in this world. We ask for your strength and peace as we strive to dream of the vision you have for us. Help us to be united on the gospel message of Jesus with clarity on the mission you have set before us. We ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to push us forward into action with the objective of freeing those who are oppressed in our communities, freeing them in the name of the Jesus, the Messiah. Amen.